0: Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Hey, um, I want to talk to you today about having confidence in your faith, even when maybe your faith might be shaken by some people you've looked to that you thought of as towers of faith. When I was just a very young Christian, I was about 18, 19 years old. Um, there was a guy who was a couple years older than me who wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. His name's Josh Harris. And uh, it was kind of a big, big deal. Like, I don't know if anybody remembers that time, but that, you know, it didn't go viral because I don't think viral was a thing yet, but like lots of folks were reading it. And that's a, that's a big deal to be becoming as famous as he was at age 21. You know, there's high demand for it. But as time went by, uh, he began to have questions because he would get pushback against his teaching. Some people were receiving it as very much, there's like a lot of law, a lot of legalism. You guys know what legalism is, don't you? That's where you start to think, I'm only right with God because I'm behaving, and if I ever stop behaving, then I'm no longer right with God, which is totally false. It's not true. It's not what the New Testament teaches. We are right with God only because Jesus Christ's blood covers us. Um, he pays a ransom for our sin. We are freed from our chains and our prisons. Um, and he welcomes us into his arms absolutely based on his love and nothing else. That's the gospel. Some people weren't receiving it that way. And as years went by, I'm not really sure what else happened, but Josh Harris came out and said this in 2019. He says, I've undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I'm not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there yet. I don't know if that startles you. I don't know what you think about that. I don't know if if for you that's like, wow, Um, you know, did did something go radically wrong? Did he dive into some sin? And this is just to kind of like cover that. I don't know, Josh, so I can't speak for what was going on in his situation. But we're seeing more and more of this. There's young worship leaders that, you know, are up on stage in front of thousands. And then after a while, they might say, I was wrong about all that stuff. And now I want to tell you about this other, you know, worldview that I have. And it can be a little bit. Startling when we have so much access to people's lives and their up to the moment thoughts, it can be a little bit frightening. I don't know if you have ever thought, Man, when I see something like that, it makes me question my own like, is my faith safe? Is that going to be me in a few years? Like, am I less wise than I thought? Have I been duped? Have I bought into something? Well, I want to be really sensitive with this talk because. The truth is there's all kinds of reasons that you never see in people's lives where they've had significant challenges, where, you know, maybe they were, maybe they had a really negative experience as a kid. Maybe some adult took advantage of them. And that's so connected to religion in their mind that it's really hard for them to see Jesus as he is at all without seeing that person. Maybe somebody was a part of a church culture where there was a lot of half truths and yeah, there was grace, but there was also a lot of legalism. So we never know exactly where anybody's coming from. Just like you don't know the heart of the person next to you. You can't know the heart of someone you don't even know. So I just want to own that, that I don't know Josh and I don't know anything about his situation. I think what we can do is we can look at God's word. Because God's word has a lot of answers, and I really believe it's going to help us to hedge against, yes, people do fall away, but it might help us kind of see some of the reasons they might so that we can build a life that is not as susceptible to that as we might fear. As we look at God's word, here's two things that I find might be a reason that somebody falls away. The first is misplaced confidence. It's misplaced, meaning it's not Really, confidence in Jesus. It's confidence maybe in a spiritual leader. It's confidence maybe in a church. It's confidence in, in their parents' experience or whatever it was. Somehow, it didn't, the transfer of, I know Jesus personally, did not transfer in a significant enough way for that to be where their confidence is. There may also be cases where, as I see in Scripture, and we're going to study this today, in some ways, A person didn't really take responsibility for themselves pursuing Jesus continually. And that can be a significant problem. So we can't, we can't account for every, every story, but we're going to go on a little quest. We're going to go searching for some secrets. I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. Okay. So those of you who know Indiana Jones, you know that he's a professor. He's an archaeologist. He's got this suspicion that there's stuff hidden out there. And so he studies where it might be, and he might go try to find the Ark of the Covenant. He might look at his dad's journal and might try to go find the holy girl. But he's just, he's, he, there's something bothering him on the inside. There is stuff out there that somebody could find. Everybody doesn't see it, but I could maybe find it. And I want to invite you to be a little male or female Indiana Jones, because there's some secrets out here in the field that Jesus is going to talk to us about today. And we're going to find some really good stuff that I wish everybody saw, but many don't. So everybody surrounding Jesus is filled with anticipation. They're wondering, is this the guy? Is this the guy that's going to make all of our hopes and dreams come true finally? Is this the guy that our, our nation, the Israelites, have been waiting for? Is he going to finally release us from our captivity? Is he going to show everybody else that we're really right? That even though we're under the boot of Rome, they're super like wicked sometimes, and we're not. And is he, is, is he finally going to show off, hey, these are my real people? And what we're going to see Jesus do is something he does often. He says, hey, don't worry so much about that world out there. There is a timetable for that, but you don't need to worry about it. Instead, I want you to focus on your heart. I want you to look inside and see how I'm trying to shape you from the inside. Not just what I'm causing to happen on the outside. And maybe some of us are like that today. You're really waiting on God for something. You're like, when is this thing going to happen? And you're chomping at the bit, man. And I get that because there's things I'm chomping at the bit for. But can we just, can we slow the boat and say, maybe it's just like it was in Jesus' time. Maybe Jesus would say, I know about all that. We're going to get where I want us to get at the right time I want us to get there. But let's look at our hearts because that is the thing that in this time in particular, Jesus wants to shape. Matthew 13.1. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd, Jesus can't go anywhere, man. A large crowd soon gathered around him So we got into a boat. There he sat sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Now, a parable is Jesus letting us in on hidden realities that are actually there, but not everybody sees it. So he tells a story to help us see it. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, somebody say deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still others, other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Here's your bottom line today. Devotion to learning and obeying God's word is the wisest way to protect your faith and make your life count. Devotion to learning and obeying God's word, both important, is the wisest way to protect your faith and make your life count. So what these disciples did is they came back to him a little bit later and he said, Jesus, that was an interesting story, but we need to know more. Can you help us get the big picture? What are you trying to say? And so Jesus, just a little bit down the page, explains it to him. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear, the message or the, the word about the kingdom and they don't understand it. And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. That, that message is the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's God's word about Jesus. And he says, some people don't understand. And just so we're clear what we're talking about, the gospel about Jesus is two, two, twofold. Um, one, Jesus wants to forgive. He wants to erase debt. He wants to take away the penalty, actually taking the penalty on himself. He loves you, and he wants to take away every charge that could ever, not even just up till this point, but ever, ever, ever be against you. He wants to forgive you, but he also wants to come back to the place of ruling you. He wants to be in charge. See, him not being in charge was what actually went wrong to begin with. It was not obeying Jesus, being wise in our own eyes, doing what we thought would be wise... That got the whole human race into all this trouble, and people say, "Well, I I want the forgiveness one, but I don't know if I want the ruling one." And I, you know, I hear that. Let's let's keep walking though, because Jesus wants both. That's the message of the kingdom. That's what he's talking about. He says, "Hey, some people—it's both a hard heart, and it's also, in some form, it's the enemy hardening their heart. They're willfully hardening their heart, but also the enemy is coming along and hardening their heart." And, And you know this you know, there probably aren't even necessarily many people with a hard heart here because if your heart is really hard, you don't even want to come to church. Like you're like, I I, I don't, I don't need anything. I, I don't need to hear about this. Whatever you're saying, it's all noise to me or, I, or I've heard it. Like I've been around it and I, there's no value in it to me. Um, I'm not interested in hearing about God's affection for people and his desire to love and forgive them. I had a buddy, um, years ago, I, w- inv- I kept inviting him to a Bible study. I was, you know, I've found that if you keep inviting, often people say yes. You know, they just, you know, that's that's my strategy. But I kept inviting this guy, and this is one of those times it didn't quite work um, because he just stops. on like the third time. He says, "Hey, you know, Carter, um, I, I'm just not interested. Like, I don't want to go. I don't, I don't care about that stuff at this point in my life. Like, that's just not a thing for me." And it was very blunt, but it was actually very helpful because I was like, "Oh, okay, man, that is so good to know," because clearly this is hard ground. I'm not going to go a knocking. I'm not going to try to like hammer a seed into that hard ground. I'm going to wait till a later date till that thing is softer. But it was really helpful to know he's, he's just hard and he knew he was hard. But can I tell you, it's, it's not just folks like that. It is folks sometimes in church because they've been around it so much. They think they know it, but they've stopped knowing it. So like if you're a kid, if you're like a church kid, you grew up, you were a kid in church and you've continued to grow up, you might be in danger of having a hard heart because you've just been around it so much. Or if you, if you feel like when you go to church, man, I I know all this and I know exactly what the pastor's going to say. And I even know where that is. And that's good. But can I just warn you, be careful when you feel like you already know everything that's going to be, to be said. I feel like some people, God calls us to different churches sometimes. Like we just have seasons of life and sometimes it's time to go to a different church. Sometimes people are saying, I want to go to a different church because I just can't get fed anymore. And sometimes that's true. But other times, actually, no, bro, you just have a hard heart. And when you have a hard heart, it don't matter how good the preaching is. It doesn't matter. Your heart is not able to receive that seed. And so it's really not the church. If you go somewhere else, it's going to stay hard because it's your heart heart. It should be, it should sound an alarm when we're indifferent about God's word. When we're indifferent about God's word about Jesus. Let's look at the second seed. The seed on rocky soul represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since, I just want to make sure you notice that they hear the word. The last guys heard the word. These guys hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. These people are surprised that they get clobbered. They're really excited at first. They're like, yippee, Jesus. And, and, and like, you, uh, hopefully we all have a little bit of a sense of what that is like. When, when you figure out that you're forgiven, man, like when you for, figure out that God is for you so who can be against you, that might, like, you just want to go, you just want to go dancing, man. You won't be leaping <laughs> everywhere you go. The problem is they didn't send down their roots to get deep. It's running into rock down there, which means they can't get to the water they need. The sun comes out and it starts to scorch them, meaning their world is harsh. And so some people, they get offended. This word fall away, it also means offended. Scandalizo. It means, yes, they fall away, but they fall away offended. I wonder how many people, they really get offended with God because they thought, man, I thought like God was on my side now. I thought this is all going to go good now. And yet God's letting these trials into my life. What good is Jesus then? Just so we're clear, Jesus promised trial. Okay. Just getting tight with Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have trial. The, the advantage with Jesus is he says, unlike everybody else, I'm going to use your trial to benefit your soul in a way that others cannot access yet. But if we get offended, if we're just like, well, you know, the jig is up, man. This whole, this whole God thing was a crock. What really happened was their roots didn't go down deep enough into the soil of God's word to truly know the personality and the heart and the forgiveness and the power that comes long-term from going through trial. And so they didn't get it. They didn't have roots that were able to access the water. Can I tell you that is why it is imperative? If we're young if we're all wherever we're starting right now today to have a strong aim at a strong, robust word life, dude, it's everything. Like you got, you got to discover this. And, and some people tell me, Carter, well, you know, that's just not my personality. I, I just don't think I'll be able to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I hear that precious. You know what? I'm mercy is not my personality. Okay. Like forgiveness is not my personality. All right. Who cares if it's your personality? Like, this is a big warning, okay? Send your roots down because the sun is going to wreck you. Now, how many have you been through a trial and you had a root system that was able to hang on to Jesus in the midst of that trial and it was God that got you through? Like, instead of you getting offended, you're just like, oh, thank God. Thank God that I'm even here. Thank God that he's with me. Thank God I've been through previous trials to train me to get me ready for this trial. So I'm not a botanist. I don't know for sure, but um, I went to a, You know, botany looking website. It's convincing to me. And what it told me was, um, when, when certain forested areas go through some kind of climate change so that it's no longer raining to the same degree, they were, they were like in a rich habitat. They were absorbing all kinds of rain. They were able to defend against disease and insects. They're able to kind of like hold their own. When that rain is reduced, and they don't have as much access to water, suddenly those same trees in the same place are now way more open to disease. They're way more open to insects hurting them or even giving them something that takes parts of them or all of them out. It's a lot about environment. It's a lot about where we put ourselves. So there's folks who say, hey, Carter, I I just don't think I need to prioritize spiritual growth. And there's others that you see them prioritize it and they keep going and they keep going and they keep going and they're getting stronger and the other ones are weaker because they don't have the same vigor because they're not drinking all that they could have drank. Drinking, drunken. (laughs) 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. These guys also heard Of God's word. They heard the message of God's word, but they were in competition for the nutrients with other things in their life. They had access to good soil, but there were other things in the soil. There was weeds. There were things that were saying, Hey, we want your attention over here. Now look over here. Don't look at that. Look at this. So maybe it's a job. Maybe it's your girlfriend. Maybe it's your enamoration with video games. Maybe it is your constant need to be busy. Whatever it is, it's actually pulling your focus from sending your roots down to absorb more of the personality of Jesus Christ. And, and what the problem is, you're not beating it. Like you're letting, you're letting all of these other things take all of your energies. They're taking all the nutrients right out of the soil. And so the, the growth that God wanted, the fruit that God wanted to happen, it can happen because and, and, and most of us, we don't even mean to, but we're just not punching back. We're not fighting. We're not battling. We could, we could use this term, it's unaggressive. Like our walk with God is unaggressive. Here's Dude, there's things fighting for your heart. There's things fighting for your attention. And we're going to talk about how to battle it, but not yet. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So in parables, usually what we want to look for and what, what the first hearers would have heard, what, what's surprising? What's different about it? Where's the like, what? This is the what? When they hear about, wait a minute, 100 times what was planted? Maybe 30, but in their time, that's a miracle to get 100 times what was planted. And yet that's what Jesus is saying. That's what happens. It, not everybody's the same. Some are 30, some are 60, some are 100, but it's fruitful. All of the others, I don't know if you notice this, all of the others were not fruitful. All three. If you're a farmer, like, do you keep, like, the stuff that is half dead and didn't produce fruit? I throw it away, man. You, know, you ain't got time for that. Do you, you just walk up to, oh, here's some dead, dried up in the sun plants. You keep that stuff? No, that wasn't why you planted it. You get rid of it. Here's secret number one. These are long. There's no way for me to make these sound like a nursery rhyme, okay? So some things (laughs) I'm just not skilled enough for. Here we go, secret number one. Not everyone who claims the name of Christ is responding the same way to him in their hearts. Not everyone who claims the name of Christ is responding the same way in their hearts. So when you see somebody that you're like, man, they're excited. They are really excited about Christ. Great, that's good. But let's just own, Jesus says, hey, here's a secret. You don't really know. People can talk a good talk and they can even be in a good moment. They can be on an upswing. But let's look at the long term. You don't know their hearts. So I don't want you to be amazed. I don't want you to be surprised if this person that you thought was all that and a bag of chips later on doesn't turn out to be quite as fierce as maybe you thought. Only by observing those who actually persevere do we find out Who actually belong to Jesus Christ. It's called the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. And check it out. It's not, it's not, the the reason this is such an awesome doctrine is not so that we can kind of predict people like, oh, I'm looking at them and oh boy, good, that's not good luck. That ain't gonna work. It's not to predict, it's for comfort in retrospect. And it's a warning. It's for saying, so, so, Dude, as a pastor, I've invested in a lot of people over the years and I've, I've done it long enough that some people are, who in, initially showed a lot of signs of life are no longer following Christ. And you know what that could do to me if I let it? I, I get depressed, man. Gosh, Carter, man, you, you must really be bad at this. You, you're hurting people. You shouldn't be a pastor. Look, this, this person, they're not even following Jesus anymore. No, this comforts me to know, you know what, dude, you, you did your best, but you don't know anybody's heart and you don't know what they're dealing with and you don't know what happened, and you don't, you don't know what spun them out, the Holy Spirit doesn't want you and I to be shaken every time we see somebody that we really thought was doing great stumble or even fall away entirely. He doesn't want our faith based on anybody else than Jesus. Hey, can I tell you, um, I'm a failure. Like I fail, dude, I fail every day. Jesus has never failed. We've got to make sure our faith is always in Jesus. Even though God uses people in our lives, even though God uses churches in our life, any place we place our confidence other than Jesus, man, that is sandy ground. That is not going to hold up in the storm. So when he says fruit, what what does he mean? I studied a lot of different spiritual definitions of fruit this week, but here's the best one I found. Sustained and abundant human flourishing where the character of God is highlighted and his generous and righteous nature is seen and experienced. So when you walk up to somebody and they are demonstrating somehow the personality of God and you, and, and God has a personality, you can tell it's him because it's characterized by the fruit of the spirit love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. When you feel that off of somebody or there's some kind of like ministry activity that produces more of Jesus in your life, you're like, this is obviously a gift from God. This is from, it's not just them. It's Jesus doing this through them. And I'm able to just like, oh, a piece of fruit. I can just eat it. That's the fruit that Jesus is talking about. But check it out. The fruit always looks like Jesus. It never doesn't look like Jesus. It always looks like Jesus. Just like in Genesis 1, the Lord said he made animals and plants that reproduce after their own kind. It's the same thing with the fruit of Jesus. If it's really the fruit of being close and knowing Jesus, the fruit looks like Jesus. It's Jesus on repeat. Now you might think that sounds, you know, kind of silly, but it becomes really helpful when you see somebody who's kind of saying two different things, one thing with their actions and one thing with their words. Jesus warns us, don't pay attention as much to the words as to the actions because it will taste like Jesus. They won't just say it's Jesus. So there's a really famous podcast right now. It's about the rise and fall of this church that fell in 2014. Worldwide known church. People came and studied it, wrote dissertations on it. It was a big deal church. And as they're going, there's, I've got issues with the podcast, but <clears throat> there's a lot of helpful stories about people that got hurt when this church fell or really on the way to it falling. And one of the things they keep saying, all these different people that were victims of this fall, not that they weren't, I'm just saying, that's how they see themselves. They keep saying a similar thing, which is, you know, we could tell there was something about the character of the leader that was off, but we kept ignoring it because of their charisma. We kept ignoring it because of their influence. We kept ignoring it really just out of a sense of allegiance to this person. And what this person was displaying in this particular moment of life was, that's not the fruit of Jesus. That's the opposite. That's a rage. That's an anger. That is something that's not the way Jesus behaves toward his people. We've got to put all of our faith, not in the church, not in anybody else, and we've got to be able to say, how do, how, what, what am I looking for? We're, we're, in a, we're in a generation of influencers. We're in a generation, everybody, everybody wants to be famous. So I know a lot of people post stuff on their Instagram. I know a lot of people say a lot of stuff. And hey, man, that, that's great. And hopefully it encourages you. But I like r- what Rick Warren said. He says, mostly I just read the dead guys. Because I know how it ended. He's like, I, I know their story. I know that they actually finished well. I know that they're not regretting some of the things that they wrote. Because it turned out they got really corrected and it wasn't true. I just want to clarify. Jesus is looking not for just professions of faith, but perseverance in faith. The long term, baby. The long term. And the long term involves realizing, oh, there's competitors for my heart. Doesn't mean you don't have them. It doesn't even mean they don't win on some days. It just means over the long haul, as you keep walking with Christ, you keep identifying them in prayer, and you say, oh, we got to kill that thing. That thing is trying to kill the life of God in me. I've got to kill it before it does that to me. That means when we recognize, oh, man, I'm going through a really hard time, I can do one of two things. I can harden myself against God and blame him and just stay mad at him. Or I can say, God, I don't understand this, and I don't particularly like it, but I'm going to draw near to you, trusting that you'll keep your word and draw near to me and that it's way smarter to go through hardships and trials with holding Jesus' hand than it is shaking my fist at him. Verse 10, his disciples came and asked, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? The disciples are like, Jesus, we're noticing that, it seems like not everybody gets this the same way. Like, we're picking up certain things that you're saying, but it seems like not everybody is. And he says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. He doesn't just mean those disciples. He means, Jesus says, there's going to be people, maybe like you, Jesus says, are you like picking things up spiritually? It's because I've granted it to you. It's because I gave permission for it. It's because I decided in my mercy, I reached out to you. I chose you. You didn't choose me. If you're understanding things spiritually, we've got to understand it's not because we're special or smart. It's because God has graciously given us understanding, which should produce praise. So if you ever listen to an awesome podcast and you're like, oh, oh, that was good. I got got something out of it. If you ever have a really great session of reading the Bible, like, oh, that was was really good. We got to thank God because not everybody can see it. And his spirit is revealing it to you right in that moment. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. If you're picking up anything from this sermon right now, thank you, Jesus, that he's showing this to you. And it's not going right over your head or hitting just a dead, stale heart. Here's secret two. Jesus is the secret sharer but the secrets are not revealed to everyone. To everyone, Jesus is a secret sharer, but the secrets aren't revealed to everyone. Listen to this. So we, we just learned he permits it, he, he grants it, he causes it, but now he, he flips it. It's all his sovereignty, but it's all our responsibility. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little they have will be taken from them. We're not going to finish through verse 17. It's really just, Jesus says, hey, this is a fulfillment of a prophecy in Isaiah's time. People did the same thing. They they said they were close to God, but really they didn't care what God wanted or thought. And so they lost any revelation that they ever had. Leads us into secret three. Spiritual insight increases or decreases depending on how much we value it. Spiritual insight increases or decreases depending on how much we value it. It's our responsibility our responsiveness that causes it to grow or causes it to shrink. And that's really important. That means it, God is warning us here. Jesus is warning us. He's saying, I love to grant people spiritual understanding, but don't be careless. Don't disregard the priority of my word. Don't disregard that when I tell you to come and seek me, don't say, well, Maybe because you, you're in danger of losing that which you even have. See, that, 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 that's really important for church people because you're up in places like this all the time. But if you're, if you're all hearing and not doing and you're training yourself to just hear and not do, Jesus, he doesn't say, well, you're not going to get any more. He says, you're going to lose even what you have. It's just going to evaporate right out of your heart. You're going to miss it. So let's, let's give an example. Let's say that there's a, there's a math student and the math student goes to their teacher. Says, teacher, I really love math, as you know. Like, I'm just so excited about it. I, w- I just want you to know, if there's ever anything else you can give me, like to help me, you know, keep going, I would love to. And the teacher's delighted by this. And she says, you know what? There's actually this algebra course, honors algebra that I was going to invite only a few up to. And I want to invite you up to. Well, then another student, who doesn't really like math, but sees all the people in the honors algebra and says, I like them. I want to be, you know, they're cool. I want to be in that group. And he goes to the teacher, says, "Um, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm into math. Um, can you put me in the honors group? And with great affection, the teacher says, my friend, I know you don't like math. Not only can I not, raise you into the next group up. You're not even good enough at math to stay in this group. I'm moving you down because you, you haven't been faithful here. I'm moving you back a step. Do you see the parallel? Jesus says to us, he says, those who are faithful, it's both granted, but they're also faithful. They're pursuing more. They're hungry. They're saying, teacher, I want more. Jesus, my teacher, I want more. I'm hungry. What else do you got? I'm chomping at it, man. Ooh, I'm salivating. Give me more, Jesus. And he knows all hearts. And he's like, yes, you are here. And so these two are coming to the same church service. And one, Jesus is like grabbing a whole bunch of slapping it on their plate. Man, it's a ton. But the other one, like, they're really like, I want to be here, but I don't really care about this getting closer to Jesus thing. And Jesus says, watch out, because this is in the world as well. This is this is an earthly principle as well as a heavenly principle. You're going to lose that which you even had. Think about if you're an athlete. If, if, if you really work hard, if you're faithful with what you have, you're going to get better. And suddenly you're getting more opportunities. Suddenly you even have more opportunity to get better than you could have before you got better. But if you just let it alone, your muscles are going to atrophy. Like you're going to get weaker and weaker. That's how it works in the real world. If if you make a bunch of wise financial financial decisions and those decisions start to compound and God is adding more and more to you, like, well, you've been faithful to this, now you're going to get this, now you get opportunities you didn't even have. But how many know, man, you make a few dumb decisions in a row and it's not too many more dumb decisions before, man, you're really down on your luck. Like that thing goes quick. Jesus says, it's the same way in the spirit. It can go south quickly if you just don't care about what I'm trying to give you. Devotion to learning and obeying God's word is the wisest way to protect your faith and make your life count. Let's talk about your battle plan. Because it said in verse 21, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. I love the NASB, it says, have a firm root in yourself. That doesn't mean without the power of God, but it means there's some level of, I take responsibility for this. I'm the one As far as it depends on me, I'm going to keep trying to add so I can be given more. And the way we've got to battle for that, the way you've got to fight that is first for daily time in God's word. Now, you're going to miss a day, okay? But God knows when you're missing a day and it's like, oh, dang it, I want to get more time in God's word. And it's not even necessarily just in the Bible. It might be in a Christian book. It might be through a podcast. But there's a hunger that you're satisfying. If you miss a meal, you're not going to be like, oh, well, no more meals. You're going to be eager to get back to the next meal, right? Right? So we've got to have an a, a earnest desire to, I'm going to find a way to have more time in the Word because I'm seeking greater understanding. And my friends, we're more on the line than anybody. These guys, Jesus said, you're more, you know, you're more, you should be in more gratitude because you see things these people in Isaiah's time never saw. And I think Jesus would say to us, you all should even have more gratitude because you have so many podcasts. You have so many commentaries. You have, you have libraries and libraries of access to the knowledge of God. And for you to not use it, it tells me maybe you don't value it. Now, here's a secret that you got got to learn. You got to know this up front. It was always God's will, not that you just come to church, but you keep seeking the things above. Listen, Colossians 3.1. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Keep seeking the knowledge of God. Keep seeking to see things from the perspective of God. Don't be satisfied. Well, this is good enough. It's, it's never really enough, man. Like we want to be content. We want to, oh, this is, this is a great place. God's got me. But if I'm not hungry, my friend, something is wrong. Something is wrong. You're supposed to be hungry. Now you can't be hungry on your own. You got to ask for it. But that's supposed to be normal Christianity. And here's what I really believe by the grace of God, I was able to do as a young Christian, and it created a pattern. Somehow I understood, probably some smart person told me, if you're really going to grow spiritually, you're going to have to spend time and money on that thing. Now, back in those days, I didn't have an income, man. The birthday money was my income. That was what it was. You know what I'm saying? That's all I had. And yet I I still just understood, okay, I'm going to tithe off this thing, but I'm also going to go go to the Christian bookstore. And You couldn't get anything online then. I'm going to go to the Christian bookstore. I'm going to get books so that I can... Get more God. And it became a trade in my mind. I can trade time and money for more God. Some people say, I don't want I to get, you know, that sounds a little kooky, spending money on more resources to know God. I'm just going to get Disney Plus. Honey, <laughs> get Disney Plus. But recognize that if Cinderella is important enough to be in your life, probably a book that trades you more God is worth the six fifty dollars or whatever it is for you to grab hold of that. Are we hearing this? And it's going to cost you more time, which means like that person that's fighting against the weeds that are trying to keep your focus away from God, you got to say, weeds, i rebuke you in Jesus' name. Get away from me. And that takes prayerful surrender. So we got to have a plan. I'm going to be with God almost daily. I'm going to get around the people of God weekly. But I'm also going to prayerfully surrender and say, God, there's a bunch of other priorities in my life. Some of them seem like they're trying to creep in a little bit more. They're trying to pull all of my heart and all of my focus. I surrender those things to you. They are not my God. You are my God. Let's orient my life around you, and they can have whatever space is left. But that's all they get in my heart because I want fruit. Secret number one, not everyone who claims the name of Christ is responding the same way in their hearts. Secret number two, Jesus is a secret sharer, but the secrets are not revealed to everyone. Secret number three, spiritual insight increases or decreases depending on how much... We value it. I'm going to close with a story, but first I'm going to get to the story with a quote. Franklin Graham said this recently. He said, we're in a dangerous place when the church is looking to 20-year-old worship singers as our source of truth. We now have a church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather than from the teachings of the word. So we talked about Josh Harris at the beginning But I recently heard an interview with another famous musician. This is Dave Stovall. He was on the Alyssa Childers podcast. What episode is it? It's one hundred and eight. If you want to go look at it, and he is a person who had fallen away in a sense. He had left behind his Christianity, and he in his in this interview, he's telling the interviewer, who was also a part of Christian music culture back in the day, saying, "Well, you know what it was like when you're in that kind of environment. You're usually young, usually you're." 20s or early 30s at the latest, but you have a tremendous amount of power. And there's people all over maybe the globe that look to you as kind of a pastor, even though you're not one, but there's also nobody to check in with you. Everybody's afraid to be accountable with you. No no one's going to ask you, hey, how are you doing in God's word? Because their job depends on you. And so he said, there's this little bubble where no one is, not no one, but a lot of people he was around, no one's reading God's word. No one is anymore allowing the good, rich soil, allowing their roots to go down. They're just getting up and parroting things that maybe they heard a pastor say once upon a time, but it's not real to them. And then he says, it's no wonder without God's word that some of them begin to ask questions. They begin to lose faith. Even what they had perhaps was taken away from them. I don't know if that's the story in every heart but I'm sure Jesus is telling us this on purpose. Well, David, he met a kind pastor who just, you know, invited him out to lunch and said, hey, man, you be wherever you want. I don't care. I just want to hang out with you. And, and let's talk about whatever step of faith you're on. And this pastor slowly began to walk with him. And slowly, as he explored God's word, his faith came back to life. And now he is in charge of music at that pastor's church. I tell you that because if there's anyone here who's wrestling and and you've got some doubts and you're like, I don't know about this stuff. Hey, dude, can I just give you the grace? That's okay. You don't have to have this thing all figured out. You don't have to be confident at all. I would invite you. I'm not the model and this church is not the model church. But how about we do this? Let's walk together. Let's walk together for a while. Let's go to this book together and we're gonna find the gracious God, Jesus Christ. And you're gonna find vigor, returns to your heart. Let's pray. I pray for healing and I pray for fire. Master, I pray for healing and I pray for fire. I pray for those who have wounds and whether they meant to or not, and I know this isn't the case for everybody, but maybe they were looking to some leader They were looking to some example. And when that example got shaken, their faith got shaken. God, I pray that you would heal that and adjust that broken bone. I pray you'd straighten it out and focus their hearts only on Jesus Christ and his words. God, I pray for those, they didn't see the trap coming. They didn't realize the sun was going to get so hot. Lord, I pray for fresh life to enter our roots. Fresh life from God's word that we would go down deep, get aggressive and drink up connection and fellowship with you. God, we seek understanding. We seek more. We're not satisfied with what we've had. God, you are infinite. More we're asking for. We thank you that you delight to give it. In Christ's name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on my link in the description to give now or visit Fierce.Church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.